0: Fighters and clerics may not seem like they go together, but in 5e, I think just how well these two classes work together will surprise you. It definitely did for me. As a result, we have an unusually high amount of multi-class builds to go through today, so I'm going to spare you the preamble on this video and just say there's something for just about everyone here. Even with just a single level dip, I think you'll be impressed by how much these two classes complement each other. Before we get into the video, be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new content like this all the time. But now, into the Cleric Fighter Multiclass. Fighter and Cleric are debatably the most versatile core classes in 5e, and by combining them, you have what is possibly the widest range of options available. Now, putting those options together into something worth playing more than a straight fighter or straight cleric is its own issue, but simply having all those options at your fingertips is a tempting prospect. As a baseline, adding access to cleric spells with healing magic and some magical utility to a fighter is potentially worth the level, and adding a fighting style to a more combat-focused cleric build can also be worthwhile. This is a multiclass that works best as small level dips to augment a core focus, and enhancing your strategy with only a level or two dip can be a major boost without much investment. There are, of course, some downsides. The first thing you'll need to ask yourself when building a fighter cleric multiclass is why not simply build a paladin? Paladins are already holy fighters, and if you're just looking to add a few divine spells and damage to your martial character, that may be the better option. And like every multi-class combination, even a level dip means giving up on some late game class features like ninth level spells that we'd get from a single class. We're also combining a spellcasting and martial class whose features don't really stack up in a meaningful way so our progression on either will be slowed down compared to straight cleric or straight fighter. As for when a fighter cleric starts to kick in, a few of our builds here are essentially only level dips, so they'll kick in with only a single level dip. Our more synergistic builds tend to require a level or two in cleric and the third level fighter archetype feature, so those will start working around levels four or five. Now let's get into the class features that we care about. We've got several strategies to go for here, so not all of the following fighter abilities and cleric abilities will necessarily apply to every build, but they're generally the features that we're going to care about. Starting with significant fighter features, we have hit points. And while the upgrade to 1d10 isn't exactly huge, it's worth considering that on average, every level of fighter you take will get you a little bit more beefier than the cleric. Next, we of course have fighting style. Obtained with only one fighter level, the archery, dueling, two-weapon, Fighting and thrown weapon fighting options all provide a bit of extra damage in different ways, and for different strategies. The new superior technique option also provides a way to pick up a maneuver with only one fighter level and without taking up the fighter archetype. You'll want to use this feature for weapon specialization, and you should figure out what basic combat strategy you want to go for first. Also picked up with only one fighter level, we have second wind, and this feature gives us a decent healing option. We're getting far more healing potential from our cleric levels don't get me wrong but extra healing is always nice gained at second level we have action surge and this is the king of fighter abilities which is merely great for fair builds and absolutely bonkers for unfair builds Now, sadly, we still have a hard cap on spellcasting in 5e, so we can't use Action Surge to cast multiple spells, but there are still plenty of uses for an emergency action. We'll go over more detail about the archetypes in just a moment, but know that they are important to some of the builds that we'll be talking about in today's video. And then we have Extra Attack. Several of the Cleric archetypes have features that sort of make up for their lack of Extra Attack, but fall short of a full Extra Attack. Five levels are a big commitment if you're core cleric, but it can potentially be worth it. Now to get into the significant cleric features, we of course have spellcasting. Clerics are a full prepared spellcasting class, and this means that you have access to the full cleric spell list. You just have to pick which spells you prepare each day. Clerics have a couple really good damage spells, but you'll likely get the most value out of their utility buffing and healing spells. And then we have channeled divinity. Clerics get a special divine resource in their uses of channeled divinity. You first gain this feature with your second cleric level, and you get one of these uses of Channel Divinity every short or long rest and more uses at your sixth cleric level. The base use of your Channel Divinity is Turn Undead, which is unsurprisingly only useful if you're running into undead monsters. All the cleric archetypes, however, provide us with much more interesting uses of our Channel Divinity power. Tasha's also gave us another base use of our Channel Divinity power called Harness Divine Power, that lets us spend it to regain a lost spell slot. You can only do this once per long rest to stop us from farming spell slots all the time, but you can do it more often at higher cleric levels. And then we have divine domains. Clerics gain their archetypes at first level, and more than most classes, you'll be getting most of your unique class features from your archetype. Typically, you gain some skill checks or armor proficiencies at minimum for a one level dip. In particular, we're going to care about the features gained at first and second cleric levels and alternate uses for our channel divinity feature. Now let's touch upon ability scores. Just like with a normal fighter build, we're going to need to pick between strength and dexterity as our primary damage ability. Next, we'll want to have high wisdom since that's our cleric spellcasting ability score. Finally, we're likely going to be in the thick of combat, so we want Constitution as our third highest score if possible. For our ability score improvements, we're not too stretched or too reliant on our spellcasting modifier, so you're free to snag feats like Polearm Master or Sentinel for classic fighter shenanigans. Intelligence and Charisma are largely irrelevant for us and can be used as dump stats. When it comes to equipment, the fighter class gives us full access to heavy armor and shields, and we should be taking advantage of that. A one-handed melee weapon, shield, and the best heavy armor that we can get our hands on is going to be the primary setup for most of our builds. With Fighter, we have full martial weapon proficiencies, simple weapons, and armor proficiencies, so the sky's the limit on weapon style. We can switch that up to a medium armor or light armor with a rapier if we're going for the dexterity route, which should get us to similar ACs. Depending on the setting or original campaign, you might even be able to swing firearms and get a sort of shotgun preacher build going on. So keep the dex version on the back burner just in case. And now let's get into spells. A single level dip gives us access to cleric spells, many of which can be incredibly helpful for a martial strategy. Most of our builds aren't pushing too high into cleric levels, so we're mainly interested in low-level spells like cantrips and first or second level spells. Third level spells may seem attractive, but it's unlikely worth that deep of a dip. We're also planning on being in the thick of combat, so spells that require concentration are less valuable to us and we're incentivized to look for spells we can cast in addition to our attacks. Starting us off, we have the Guidance Cantrip. This cantrip lets you grant an extra 1d4 to your own ability checks or the ability checks of your allies. The nice thing here is that since it's a cantrip, it's essentially always going to be free in situations where time isn't an issue. That means your entire party gets this 1d4 to practically anything they attempt to do outside of combat. Next we have resistance, and this cantrip is essentially the same as guidance except you get a bonus to saves instead of ability checks. A 1d4 bonus to saves is rarely ever good enough to use in combat, but it can come in handy when trying to avoid traps and you can essentially keep using it on yourself outside of combat to keep the extra 1d4 up for any surprises your DM might throw at you. And then we have Word of Radiance. This cantrip is unique to clerics and is often forgotten when picking offensive spells. You get to force any number of creatures within 5 feet of you to take a constitution save or take 1d6 radiant damage with cantrip scaling increases. This is especially great for us as martial builds when we expect to be right in the thick of combat. It even allows you to pick and choose the targets, so even though it's sort of an area of effect around yourself, you're never at risk of hitting your allies. And then we have Cure Wounds, which is bog standard and boring, but it's a staple for a reason. It's a first level healing spell that can definitely help keep you and your party alive mostly another dull spell but probably one of the most useful out of combat spells in the game detect magic which essentially gives you a magic flashlight that detects craziness in any room that you're in moving on to one of the best low level offensive spells in the game guiding bolt is a ray of 4d6 radiant goodness that leaves an after effect gaining advantage on the next attack against your opponent Even only using a first-level spell slot, Guiding Bolt is amongst the most powerful spells and will remain a relevant and useful attack into second and third tiers of play. And then we have Healing Word, which does significantly less healing than Cure Wounds at the same level, but it has two differences that make it worth taking. First, Healing Word has a range of 60 feet versus the touch range of Cure Wounds, which means with Healing Word, you can save a downed ally even when you can't physically reach them. Second, Healing Word only uses a bonus action, which means we can use it and still make our attack on the same turn. Next we have Sanctuary, and this forces enemies to make wisdom saves if they want to attack you. I wouldn't recommend this normally since it's a concentration spell, but keep this spell in mind for one of the later builds that makes better use of it. And then at second level we get Aid, which increases the maximum hit points of up to three creatures by five, and it lasts for eight hours. This is a better defensive boost than temporary hit points, since the actual maximum is increased, and you can heal back up to that new limit. For us in particular, it's also a buff spell that doesn't use concentration, and those are few and far between. Next we have Prayer of Healing, and this lets you heal up to 6 creatures for 2d8 plus your spellcasting modifier, but it takes 10 minutes to cast. It's the equivalent of casting 6 second level cure wound spells, but only uses 1 slot, at the cost of requiring essentially a miniature short rest. But in situations where you can take a breather, but not an actual rest, this spell can refresh your entire party. So if you're in a what you think is an out-of-the-frying-pan-into-the-fire situation, I imagine this could be very helpful. Next we have Spiritual Weapon. With this spell, you conjure a big ghostly weapon and hit your enemies with it every turn for 1d8, plus your Wisdom modifier at the cost of your bonus action. We're already not using our bonus actions for much, so this spell typically translates to straight extra damage and is one of the best arguments for taking your cleric levels up to three just to get it. And now it's time we actually discuss these multi class builds. Clerics are primarily spellcasters and fighters are absolutely martial, so we're not going to get far with an even split. Instead, most of the following builds focus on getting the most out of a small level dip. Starting off with the build, The Peace Troll. For this build, our goal is to royally hose a boss monster so that they waste their attacks every turn. To accomplish this, we want two levels of Cleric taking the Peace Domain and three levels of Fighter taking the Cavalier Archetype. The levels in Cleric are only a dip and the remaining levels should go towards Fighter, giving us a final split of two Cleric and 18 Fighter. At third level, when we first gain the Cavalier Archetype, we gain a bonus proficiency a bonus to mounted combat, but more importantly, we get the feature Unwavering Mark. Unwavering Mark lets us mark any creature we hit with a melee attack, and while within five feet of a marked creature, they make all their attacks at disadvantage unless they target you. From our levels in Peace Cleric, we get another bonus proficiency in two prominent features, Emboldening Bond at first level and Channel Divinity option Balm of Peace at second level. Emboldening Bond works essentially like a super version of the Guidance spell letting us grant ourselves and some of our allies an extra 1d4 on all their attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws for 10 minutes. Balm of Peace gives us an odd sort of dash movement that doesn't provoke attacks of opportunity, but every one of our allies that we run past as we do so heals 2d6 wisdom hit points. So, how do we do this? Firstly, we just run in and smack the big boss monster with our melee weapon of choice. When we hit the creature, we activate our unwavering mark for free, giving them disadvantage on every target that isn't us, so long as they're in melee range of us. Next, using our bonus action, we cast the spell Sanctuary, which is conveniently a domain spell for the Peace Cleric. Think of Sanctuary as a sort of truce. So long as you don't make attacks, creatures that attempt to hit you have to succeed on a wisdom save in order to do so. You've now set up a scenario where the boss monster has to pass a save to attack you and has disadvantage on anything but you and is pretty much screwed either way. For your turns, while this is happening, you can either make your attacks and then simply cast Sanctuary again, or you can use this time to heal your allies using any number of healing spells or the Balm of Peace as you keep locking down the boss. Next, we have the Flashbang Fighter build. Technically this is more of just a recommended level dip with a full build, but you can gain a lot of power to any fighter build with a single cleric level dip to take the light domain. The light cleric gains the ability warding flare at first level that can be amazing for a martial character. Whenever you're attacked by something within 30 feet, you can throw up a flashlight to impose disadvantage on the attack as a reaction. You can do this flashbang maneuver a number of times per day equal to your wisdom modifier and regain them on a long rest. Beyond that, a single level is getting you three cantrips and two first level cleric spell slots ready for wound curing. This one level dip adds survivability for any type of fighter build. Battlemaster is an excellent option for battle maneuvers, but I think it pairs best with the Rune Knight fighter archetype, specifically taking the Cloud Rune. The Cloud Rune lets you magically swap the target of an attack and force your enemy to hit their ally once per short rest. Put together, this build has a ton of opportunities to swerve, deflect, and divert the nastiest attacks you run into with only a minimal level dip. You can consider taking a second level in Cleric for the Channel Divinity Radiance of Dawn feature for bonus radiant damage, but since it doesn't scale up, I don't exactly recommend it unless you know it will be a short, low-level campaign. Next, we have the triple threat. Imagine in combat, you, well, rather your character, walks up to join, and then a duplicate joins. And then another duplicate. One of your triplets casts a spell, and the other swings a sword, and your enemies are left utterly baffled as their attacks seem to pass harmlessly through one duplicate, and they're beaten by the others. To accomplish this, we'll need to at least have two cleric levels taking the trickery domain, and three fighter levels taking the echo knight archetype. The echo knight lets us create a copy of ourselves as a bonus action, and though we can only have one echo at a time... It's essentially free. This echo has an AC equal to 14 plus our proficiency bonus, a single hit point, and on our turn, we can move it up to 30 feet at the low cost of absolutely nothing. As a bonus action, we can swap places with our echo. Whenever we make melee attacks, we can make our melee attack using the echo, and we can make attacks of opportunity using the echo. Also, at third level, we can get the feature Unleash Incarnation that lets us make an extra attack through our echo when we make an attack. And we can do this a number of times per long rest equal to our constitution modifier. Now the trickster cleric gets their duplicate through the channel divinity invoke duplicity feature. At the cost of our channel divinity use, we can create a duplicate illusion as an action that lasts one minute. Our duplicate illusion is less real than the echo and we can't make attacks through it, but we can cast our spells through it and move it up to 30 feet as a bonus action. One of the best parts here is since the duplicate is just an illusion, it's also essentially invulnerable and if you can get the enemies to attack it, they'll basically just waste their attacks. We can control the Echo for free and the Illusion using our bonus action, so together we can move all three of ourselves every turn and just utterly confound our enemies while hitting them from multiple sides using your attacks and attacking through your Echo using Unleash Incarnation. It'll be easy for your enemies to poof away your Echo, but it's just as easy for you to resummon it as a bonus action, and you should be able to waste a ton of your enemies' attacks on your cackling counterparts. And if all else fails, you can consider taking just one more level of cleric to gain access to second level cleric spells and mirror image. It'll technically be easier to spot you, since you're a triple and your echo and illusion won't be, but man, it's flavorful and useful for a fire. This build is more than a defensive boost, it's a whole unique strategy. It relies a bit on your DM ignoring meta knowledge and letting the enemies be confused by your copies, which I think any decent DM should be able to do. But uh, yeah, keep this in mind if you think this is something you can get away with at your table. Now let's move on to some honorable mentions. With the first level domain cleric powers along with the access to basic healing magic, this makes a single level dip into cleric potentially worthwhile for an otherwise pure fighter build. The following options are decent enough to get an honorable mention for a single level dip. I also want to note that the popular death clerics really don't mesh all that well and they even missed this honorable mention list as the necrotic damage boost just isn't that worth it to me. This is also a combination that strangely invites even more secondary classes and can potentially benefit from level dips in things like Beastmaster Ranger, Transmutation Wizard, Gloomstalker Ranger, Storm Sorcerer, Clockwork Soul Sorcerer, Wanderer Ranger, and a whole host of other strange combinations. We focused only on fighter-cleric combinations here, but triple class combinations actually work here, and that's not often the case. First we have the extra magic fighter. By taking a level in the arcana domain, you gain a whopping 5 cantrips, that's 2 from the wizard spell list and 3 from the cleric spell list, in order to access healing magic, detect magic, and magic missile. Especially at Tier 1, just one level dip into Arcana Cleric, your fighter can be healer, utility caster, and a frontline fighter for your party, all in one. And then we have the free magic item build. You can essentially get free magical items by taking one level in the Forge domain. Blessings of the Forge give you either some armor faith, plus one armor, or plus one magic weapon whenever you need it. At early levels, guaranteed access to a magical weapon can be a big help, especially in a campaign with low magic item acquisition. Magic items along with the base spellcasting can make this worth the level dip. And then we have the Storm Fighter. With one level of Tempest Cleric, you gain the feature Wrath of the Storm, which lets you retaliate when hit for 2d8 thunder or lightning damage, a number of times per day equal to your Wisdom modifier. If you go one level deeper, you get Channel Divinity Destructive Wrath, which lets you maximize lightning or thunder damage, but other than that, it doesn't scale, so I really don't recommend this dip if you plan on playing up to tier two. It does nothing for your normal attack damage rolls, and the ability never scales higher. You do get Searing Smite, though, which is a decent way to add more damage to weapon attacks. Funnily enough, the only Cleric Fighter multiclass builds I've ever had at my table were from two players in the same campaign. And I could tell by the time that they took their level dips into their respective multiclass builds, uh, it was about level 10 or 12 i think when they did it and it was purely so they could just have a little bit more versatility on the battlefield we were in a group of six or seven people so the threats i threw at them were either really numerous or really big and i think they just wanted a little bit more versatility on the battlefield so if that's something you're looking for in your campaign I can definitely recommend you pick up one of these multi-class builds we've talked about. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new content like this all the time. Be sure to check us out on SkullSplitterDice.com to see what we are up to. We have a book of magical items that I think you should check out called Andrar's Vault. And if you guys are going to be making a Cleric Fighter multi-class, I would love to hear about it down in the comments. And if you guys have any ideas or videos you'd like us to put together, please leave those down there as well. My name is Patrick Ferguson from Dice, and until next time, farewell.